Need to do some last-minute shopping for the holidays? Amazon can help with their two-day shipping, and you can save 15% or more at Amazon using Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. Set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can go to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Save money on your holiday shopping by buying with crypto. Go to purse.bogosity.tv. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of December 9th, 2018. The podcast that fishes in a watermelon patch. This is your host, Shane Killian. This will be the last regular podcast for 2018. I debated doing one next week, but I decided to take the week off and do something I've been procrastinating on, which is move the web hosting to a cheaper provider. I'm not sure how long this will take, and hopefully this can be done without any interruption of service, but I have several websites that need to be moved, so it'll take some time. So we'll see you all around the new year for the 2018 Year in Review and announce the 2018 Idiot of the Year. But for now, let's auto-rotate the news of the bogus. And apparently the hackers are wanting to get their work all caught up on before the holidays because we've seen several fairly major breaches affecting millions of users. The biggest one being over half a million Marriott customers in the third biggest data breach ever, the first two both being breaches of Yahoo. Now this isn't all of Marriott, it isn't Courtyard or any of those others, it's just the Starwood Hotels. But I say it's just Starwood, that includes hotel chains like Sheraton, Four Points, Weston, and several others, so this is not a small thing. Apparently hackers got into Starwood back in 2014, two years before being acquired by Marriott without being detected and continued to go undetected for another two years. Without getting into the technical details, there are a lot of things that members of the public can learn from all of this, as detailed by Brian Krebs on his blog, Krebs on Security. Anytime we see such a colossal intrusion go undetected for so long, the ultimate cause is usually a failure to adopt the most important principle in cybersecurity defense that applies to both corporations and consumers. Assume you are compromised. Now, he has advice for companies, but I don't think I have too many listeners who run enterprise networks, so I'll skip to his advice for individuals. Reality number one. Bad guys already have access to personal data, including your credit card information, social security number, mother's maiden name, date of birth, address, previous address, phone number, and yes, even your credit file. Reality number two. Any data point you share with a company will in all likelihood eventually be hacked, lost, leaked, stolen, or sold, usually through no fault of your own. And if you're an American, it means, at least for the time being, your recourse to do anything about that when it does happen is limited or nil. Realize that expecting another company to safeguard your security is a fool's errand, and that it makes far more sense to focus instead on doing everything you can to proactively prevent identity thieves, malicious hackers, or other ne'er-do-wells from abusing access to said data. This includes assuming that any passwords you use at one site will eventually get hacked and leaked or sold online and that as a result, it is an extremely bad idea to reuse passwords across multiple websites. For example, if you used your Starwood password anywhere else, that other account you used it at is now at a much higher risk of getting compromised. 
And of course, he recommends using a password manager, and he links to the recommendations of the Wirecutter, who recommend, as I do, using LastPass, and they say that one password is also great. Krebs also said, quote, The assume you're compromised philosophy involves freezing your credit files with the major credit bureaus and regularly ordering free copies of your credit file from annualcreditreport.com to make sure nobody is monkeying with your credit except you. Note, that's not freecreditreport.com, which is not free. The free report comes from annualcreditreport.com. Quote, It means planning your flag at various online services before fraudsters do it for you, such as at the Social Security Administration, U.S. Postal Service, Internal Revenue Service, your mobile provider, and your Internet service provider. So even if you don't plan on using these services, go ahead and sign up there and make a secure password for them so that some hacker can't. And his last one is basically, don't trust emails. Always good advice. Even move away from texting, since, as we've covered, SMS isn't secure at all. So you can move to something like Signal, which is secure as long as the receiver is using Signal as well. And also use two-factor authentication at every site that supports it, using something like Google Authenticator or Authy. Quote, If the advice above sounds inconvenient, unfair, and expensive for all involved... Congratulations, you are well on your way to internalizing realities number one and number two. And one more dose of reality he gives. Security, privacy, convenience. Pick two, because you can't have all three. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. So like Krebs said, use multi-factor authentication, but they're not all created equal. Bad forms are codes sent by text, which again are not secure. Good forms are things like Google Authenticator or Authy, which work through the initial sharing of a secret via a QR code. And after that, your device can generate these secret codes without contacting the server, a third party, or even having an internet connection at the time. And then there's the way Microsoft did it. Microsoft's Azure multi-factor authentication requires a connection to Microsoft servers. But what happens when they go down? That's not a theoretical problem. This has actually happened, as this pair of stories from the Register show. In the first story, they quipped that Microsoft made these services very secure by making it impossible for hackers to log in even if they get your code. 
Of course, they did it by making it impossible for you to log in as well. If Microsoft server is down or unreachable, you're locked out. And that happened to many customers in the Americas, Europe, and the Asia-Pacific region. And this includes many enterprises that rely on the service. The outage lasted several hours. And then, a week later, it happened again. And this time, the outage was worldwide, although still affecting only a subset of customers. According to the Register's Richard Speed, who authored both articles, quote, If Microsoft hasn't developed an AI bot capable of filling its social media orifices with apologies yet, then it is surely only a matter of time before it does so. The lesson here is don't trust third-party authentication, and especially don't trust it if the third party is Microsoft. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. the gun control nut bars just get more and more wacky. Apparently just having a criminal background check isn't enough. They want a social media background check as well. New York State Senator Kevin Parker introduced a bill to require all gun permit applications to hand over the passwords to their social media accounts and search engine history so they can be scrutinized for hateful posts. The law requires the applicant to hand over, quote, any login name, password, or other means. As Parker himself acknowledged, New York already has some of the strictest gun laws in the country, but that just isn't enough for him. Apparently, the thought that this means the gun laws don't work just hasn't occurred to him. But what do we see over and over again, just like homophobic Republicans keep getting caught with gay prostitutes, it turns out that Parker himself has a violent past. In 2005, he beat up a traffic cop. He avoided punishment by taking anger management training, but apparently it didn't take because he was convicted in 2010 of beating up a photographer for the New York Post. He is also apparently more than $50,000 delinquent in property taxes and water bills. We see it over and over again. Rules for thee, not for me. That is the adage of the authoritarian. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. 
LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to dehydrochlorinate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to The Guardian for continuing the tradition of the news media to never let a good scandal go to waste. This time, they opportunistically used the Paul Manafort scandal to bogusly try and link him to Julian Assange. Manafort is under investigation for possible collusion with the Russian government to manipulate the 2016 election, blah blah blah. Several times it's been claimed that he met with the WikiLeaks founder at the Ecuadorian embassy about the matter as well, and each time it's been shown to be completely unfounded. Both WikiLeaks and Manafort separately claim they're preparing to sue The Guardian over the matter. One refutation of The Guardian's claims came from Fidel Navarez, who said, quote, It is impossible for any visitor to enter the embassy without going through very strict protocols and leaving a clear record, obtaining written approval from the ambassador, registering with security personnel, and leaving a copy of ID. The embassy is the most surveilled on earth. Not only are there cameras positioned on neighboring buildings recording every visitor, but inside the building, every movement is recorded with CCTV cameras 24-7. In fact... Security personnel have always spied on Julian and his visitors. It is simply not possible that Manafort visited the embassy. The Guardian claimed, We put these allegations to both Paul Manafort and Julian Assange's representatives prior to publication. Neither responded to deny the visits taking place. This is an outright lie. Prior to publication... WikiLeaks made a public denial on Twitter in response to an email from one of the journalists. The Guardian also claimed there was a plan to smuggle Assange to Russia, with Navarez as the main contact. But Navarez had already told The Guardian that the claims they made are untrue, and he is demanding an apology, citing problems he and his family are experiencing in the UK as a result of the article, as well as his name being vilified in Ecuador. He said, quote, Relying on uncorroborated sources in lieu of solid facts, the authors cause harm to me, their own credibility, and the reputation of the paper. The Guardian refused to amend the article to include Navarez's denial. When pressed, the Guardian referred to Assange being appointed as a diplomat, but according to Navarez, quote, Ecuador, in common with other sovereign states, is free to appoint whom they choose as a diplomat to any posting. Ecuador's wish for Julian Assange to be able to leave the embassy legitimately with the agreement of the UK government and without risk to himself is a very long way from a plot to smuggle him out in collusion with a third country. Ecuador has never even considered the possibility of moving Assange out of the embassy without the consent of the UK. That is why The Guardian's article is completely false. According to Intercept founder and former Guardian reporter Glenn Greenwald, quote, There are all sorts of internecine battles being waged inside the Ecuadorian government that provide motive to feed false claims about Assange to The Guardian. 
Sanayan, the Ecuadorian intelligence services that The Guardian says showed at the incriminating report, has been furious with Assange for years, ever since WikiLeaks published files relating to the agency's hacking and malware efforts. And of course, while they're at it, might as well bring Edward Snowden into the picture, because why not? They claim that Navarez organized Snowden's safe passage to Russia. The problem is, as we've covered before, Russia was never Snowden's destination. He was at a layover at the Moscow airport when Secretary of State Hillary Clinton invalidated his passport, preventing him from completing his journey. Quoth Navarez, The document I issued for Edward Snowden was to help him get to Ecuador, not to Moscow. I did not help him to get to Russia. In fact, the opposite is true. I tried to help him leave Russia. Russia was not his destination, and it played no part in his attempt to get to South Africa. According to Alan McLeod of Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, quote, As the story crumbled, Politico put forward a bizarre explanation for the event, written by an anonymous ex-CIA officer, who argued that Russian intelligence had likely planted the story as a means to discredit Harding and the Guardian, to deride the press as purveyors of fake news. It appears not to have occurred to the CIA alum that the story could have been planted to discredit WikiLeaks, Russia, or Manafort, and by extension Trump. But, as we've covered before, this is the kind of thing that happens when the news media relies on anonymous sources, which, as we've covered, usually means government spooks. Claims such as Saddam being within 45 minutes of attacking the U.S. and the U.K. with WMDs, the false story that Russia was hacking the electric grid, and many others have been the result of this. Because there's no punishment for official sources lying to journalists. So once again, you need to be super critical when a news report uses a phrase like, according to official sources. So all of that makes The Guardian this week's biggest bogan emitter. If you're going to shop online, use our special links to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to amazon.bogosity.tv and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. If you haven't used the mobile app in the last 12 months, or even at all, go to get5.bogosity.tv on your phone or tablet and get $5 off your order of $10 or more. Go to prime.bogosity.tv for a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to kindle.bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over one million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. You can go to music.bogosity.tv and get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited with access to Amazon's entire library of 10 million songs, ad-free and with unlimited skips, and even download to listen offline. All great ways to help this podcast simply by shopping at Amazon. And now, coming in pretty much at the last minute, our fifth Silver Cluon Award for 2018. And this time, it goes to Linux developer Jarko Sakinen. You know, when I first came up with the Silver Cluon, I would never have guessed in my wildest dreams that it would come from a software patch on the Linux kernel mailing list. But Sakinen offered for comments a proposed patch to replace all profanity and comments throughout the code with hugs. He titled the thread, Zero Blanks, Hug load of hugs. For example, avoid fucking up the memory controller would be replaced with avoid hugging up the memory controller. 
Sakinan's patch was inspired by the following passages from the Linux Foundation's new and controversial code of conduct. Harassment includes the use of abusive, offensive, or degrading language, intimidation, stalking, harassing photography or recording, inappropriate physical contact, sexual imagery and unwelcome sexual advances, or requests for sexual favors. Other conduct which could reasonably be considered inappropriate in a professional setting. Maintainers have the right and responsibility to remove, edit, or reject comments, commits, code, wiki edits, issues, and other contributions that are not aligned to this code of conduct. For context, earlier this year a similar new code of conduct for FreeBSD resulted in Huggate, where virtual hugs were considered bad behavior. Their definition of harassment included physical contact and simulated physical contact, e.g. textual descriptions like hug or back rub, without consent or after a request to stop. It spilled over to Twitter and other social media, with social justice warriors claiming that sending virtual hugs and hug emojis without prior consent was actual rape. So Sakinan recommended placing fuck I hate envias, in all lowercase, to hug I hate envias. Honorable mention to Diego Viola for replying, can you also capitalize the I please? Yeah, Diego, because four-letter words are one thing, but bad capitalization, that's offensive. This is so woke, this is woke as hug. When others complained about it being censorship, which it really kind of is, Sakinan, who is not a native English speaker, replied, Can you tell how the COC should be interpreted then? I read through it on my plane trip with an eyeglass. Is cursing okay? No one could seem to give a good answer. Hilarious part. The abuse account called it censorship. Stephen Rostet replied with the word hug a bunch of times, followed by, I assume I will now be barred. The abuse account replied, quote, Perhaps, but not because you said fuck. Note that he did not say fuck, he said hug. It would be because you're intentionally creating a disturbance on the list and making it more difficult for developers to get their work done and intentionally creating a distraction and a hostile environment for the discussion at hand. As Sakinan said in another comment, As a maintainer myself, and based on somewhat disturbed feedback from other maintainers, I can only make the conclusion that nobody knows what the responsibility part here means. Now, I don't know if Sakinan was out to make this point on purpose, or if he was honestly just trying to make the code comply with the CDC, but either way, bringing attention to all of this absolutely earns him a shiny new silver clue on. And hey, Sakinan, we'll even engrave a virtual hug on it for you. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv, your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. And now let's dollify this week's Idiot And this week he goes to U.S. Senator Maisie Hirono for claiming that the reason Democrats don't connect with voters is because Democrats are just so smart. Quote, 
One of the things that we Democrats have a really hard time is connecting to people's hearts instead of here, points at brain. We're really good at shoving out all the information that touch people here, points at brain, but not here, points at heart. Are you hugging kidding me? When do Democrats do anything but try to strike at people's emotions? If it weren't for arguments that boil down to nothing more than my feels, you wouldn't have any arguments to make at all. I've been saying at all our Senate Democratic retreats, we need to speak to the heart, not in a manipulative way, not in a way that brings forth everybody's fears and resentments, but truly to speak to the hearts so that people know that we're actually on their side. Yeah, but you really aren't, are you? If you were, you'd give up all of these mercantilist, neocon, and eugenicist policies. When you have a really hard time doing that, and one of the reasons that was shown to me at one of our retreats was that we Democrats know so much, that is true. We have to kind of tell everyone how smart we are, and so we have a tendency to be very left brain. Uh, Clue, if you really were smart, you wouldn't have to tell people you were smart. In fact, the smarter you are, the less likely you are to talk about how smart you are with others. Saying how smart you are is a sign that you're not smart. You're just too stupid to know how stupid you really are. Also relevant is the idea that the smarter you are, the less confident you tend to be that you're correct. This is more a sign of someone being mollycoddled her whole life and told she's really so super smart than someone who's actually put in the work to test their intellect and use it to its full potential. I mean, there are only so many decades that you can ignore libertarians giving intellectual refutations of your points and policies before you really can't claim to be intellectual anymore. There's also that oft-mentioned survey of the Triple Nine Society showing that their members tend to be far more libertarian and far less progressive than the public as a whole. Of course, that really isn't the scary part. The scary part is people like the Clintons, who clearly do have a superior intellect, but do this crap anyway. That means they're doing it on purpose, when they know they're wrong and they don't care because pushing their agenda is more important to them than the truth. No, this is just another indication of the narcissism that permeates politicians, news pundits, and other authoritarians. And the complete lack of self-awareness earns Maisie Hirono this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this, but that's not what I came to tell you about, edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at discord.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate to Shane DK on PayPal, or if you want to use crypto, you can donate at altcoins.bogosity.tv. You can also support Shane DK on Patreon to get the podcast and my YouTube videos early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Jean de la Bruyere. An intelligent man neither allows himself to be controlled nor attempts to control others. He wishes reason alone to rule, and that always. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial literate. This 4.0 international license.
Christmas time is coming, and the most classic of Christmas stories is A Christmas Carol. But how much do you know about the original Charles Dickens novella? Have you dismissed it as a children's book with one-dimensional characters amounting to nothing but platitudes and cliches? Maybe your appreciation of the book was even muted by those dry, boring, annotated books they made you read in school. My book, the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, uses both facts and humor to present the book in a way you probably haven't seen it before. Giving praise when deserved and beratement when warranted, this book is put in the perspective of its time and shows a dimensional, multi-layered Ebenezer Scrooge from start to finish. Skepticism, history, and even economics are employed to show the book in relation to today in an easily accessible format. Appreciate the Christmas of your youth all over again. Get the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, available at Amazon and on PDF as well.